America's small business conversation is on the air. It's the Pat Miller Show. One hour exclusively for entrepreneurs to work on your business, not in it. It's time to solve problems, capture opportunities, and celebrate your wins. Powered by the Idea Collective small business community. This is the Pat Miller Show. Now your host, Pat Miller, the Idea Coach. Welcome in to America's Small Business Conversation. I'm your host, Pat Miller, the founder of the Idea Collective Small Business Community. We have a wide ranging of topics to hit on today's show. We've got two guests on later on. We're going to answer the number one question people have about small business. How do I start? What do I do first if I don't have a small business and I want to be a small business owner? I'll address that in just a minute. But first, breaking news and stuff that you need to know about from President Biden. Earlier this week, President Biden released a sweeping executive order managing AI risk. And if you didn't see it, I'm bringing it up on a small business show because it it poses some questions for us and what this might mean for our workflow and our staffing. First, let's recap the executive order. It was huge. Now, this is an executive order, not just a law. And the lead story for the entire executive order was that privacy is a real concern when it comes to AI. And in this executive order, President Biden is guiding the executive branch and the federal government on how it can and can't use AI with privacy as the lead story. There are going to be branches of the government brought into this. The National Science Foundation is going to get brought into this. And one of the things addressing AI will be the development of a cryptography tool that will help preserve individuals' privacy. Now, we don't know what that's going to mean, and we don't know how strong that's actually going to be. I mean, not to be a cynic, but do you think the federal government is going to create a cryptographic tool that keeps them out? Like, would you create a safe that you can't get into? No. But we'll see what they mean about that. Another big thing that was in the announcement, and I think this is really good, but it's going to drive some questions for small business owners. So here's where we start to get brought into it. It addressed deep fakes and how AI is creating content that isn't real. And the announcement said something along the lines of watermarking or disclosing when you're using AI to create content. This video is AI driven. This picture is make believe AI made it. They're saying that they're going to ask for a watermark or some sort of disclosure that this product was made by AI. Now, is this needed Is the watermark needed? Is the privacy statement thing needed? It probably is. (laughs) If you look at how good AI is getting at making these deep fakes, it's really believable that you could see the president of the United States say something that he never said. That's pretty misleading and pretty dangerous. But what's interesting and where small business is brought into it 
Small business was just now getting our arms around the idea of using AI as a teammate, not just a tool. We were starting, and I was starting, I'm sure you were as well, beginning to infuse ChatGPT and Descript and some of the great video making tools out there and some of the art and photography tools out there so we can move faster and get more done. Well, if we will need to watermark every time we use AI, how will our customers react? How will our clients react? Will they think less of us? If they think and they know now through a disclosure that we used AI to make their work? Up until now, it was kind of a secret weapon. It was a way that we could write 20 tweets in about two minutes. But now, will we have to disclaim that? We don't know. In fact, the entire executive order has all of this good intention, but not a lot of clarity on does this affect the private sector or is it merely a suggestion? If we do the thing that they're saying we shouldn't do, will there be penalties? And how do we comply? These expectations are new. What does that mean for us if we're using AI? If you're using ChatGPT to write your newsletter to your client list, will you have to disclose it? We don't know. There's another part of this that affects small businesses. In the executive order, President Biden, and we're talking about President Biden's AI executive order that came out earlier this week and its potential impact on small business. So thanks for tuning into the Pat Miller Show. In the order, President Biden said, we need to protect workers' rights. And we need to have uh, mitigation for the harms that may come to workers if their jobs are displaced. Now, again, think about how you're getting stuff done in your small business. If you've got a part-time or a full-time employee writing copy for you, do you need them anymore? Will you need them in six months or a year? And if this part of the executive order gets teeth, Will there be another layer of compensation required? Or will you even be able to manage your staff and have that work replaced with AI? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know how it's going to be enforced. We don't know if this is even a thing. It's an executive order. But it's a question that needs to be asked. Because if we're not paying attention to this and you're building a business right now, Let's say six months or a year from now, this executive order gets its way into policy and that policy becomes law that could radically change how you as a solopreneur or a small business owner is creating your product. We may begin using these tools and then end up having to undo them which could mean we need real humans to do that work, which could drive up our cost, lower our throughput, it could be a real challenge for how we're going to manage our business moving forward. And there was one more piece inside the executive order that I want you to be aware of. President Biden said, we want entrepreneurs and small business owners to have a seat at the AI table. And he called us out by name, entrepreneurs and small business owners, saying essentially that the little guy should get these tools too. And maybe we need to help the little guy with funding and access 
so we can start using the tools and adopting them in what we're doing. So I thought, okay, what does that mean? And the first thing I thought of is inside the Idea Collective small business community, maybe we need to start an AI cohort where we lobby the federal government for funding and access to the AI tools necessary to create a small business chatbot. Imagine a version of ChatGPT that is tuned and trained specifically to be an AI business coach for all of us. An AI coach that will lead us through accountability, planning, finance review, workflow analysis, you name it. All of that is possible. The AI executive order really left no stone unturned. It led with privacy, something we can all get behind. We need to make sure our privacy is protected. One, it touched on healthcare. It touched on employment, which may impact us and how we employ people moving forward. But the use of the AI tools and the disclosure that we need to tell people that we're using them, that's the thing I'm really watching at this moment. Because this order may become law, and when that law goes through, and now you have to disclose every time you use AI, if we are running ahead with all of these AI tools between now and then, and our business could not be run without them, you know, on some random Tuesday next February, all of our systems may change. All of our output may change. And if you're listening to this thinking, ah, that guy on the radio is ragging on President Biden. I'm not. I'm not. I'm reacting to the executive order and saying, hey, friends, this has our name all over it. We need to pay attention to it. So I'll stay on it. I will update you as details become available. In a moment, I'm going to answer the number one question people have about small business. Boy, that sounds cool. How can I start a small business? We'll talk about those strategies coming up next on this edition of The Pat Miller Show. Thanks for tuning in. America's small business conversation continues next on The Pat Miller Show. Now, America's small business conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. Welcome back to The Pat Miller Show, America's small business conversation. The number one question asked about small business is maybe one that you have as well. You're driving down the road, you're listening to the radio show, and you're thinking, hey, that guy in the radio, devastatingly handsome, that guy in the radio, he's talking about small business. Man, I would love to leave my corporate gig and have my own small business. Wouldn't it be amazing if I could go out and build something for my family and myself? Well, it's really possible, and it's hard, but it's doable. And the number one question is, how do I start? So here's what I would tell you if you wanted to start a small business. There's really two big buckets. One bucket is getting your first clients, and the other bucket is getting a line of clients ready to hire you. Those are the two real things you need to be worried about. Because if you're thinking, I need to start a small business, and the first thing I need to do is build a website and get a logo and create a bunch of social media and all this other stuff, no. No, you don't need to do that stuff first. 
So let's walk through what I would tell you to do if you wanted to start a small business in the next six months. Because to go from your corporate job to being a small business owner cold turkey, I wouldn't recommend that. So let's go through how to get your first client. Then we'll talk about how do you get a line of clients waiting for you. And then two other style points that are pretty important. So let's pretend for the sake of conversation, you provide a service at corporate. And I'll just say you're a copywriter. You know, you write social media and emails and that kind of stuff. And you may be an accountant. You may be an HR person. You may be a whatever. But let's just pretend that you're a copywriter just for the sake of example. The first thing you need to do is begin working for someone else on the side. I wouldn't leave your corporate job. I would start with a side hustle. And I wouldn't even care what that first side hustle paid you. There will be a day when you defend your rate, and there will be a day when you ask for loads of money. But client number one, what you're trying to do is figure out, do I like doing this? If my life was serving other clients and writing their stuff, is this a life that I want to have? Before you buy anything else, before you leave your corporate job, is this what I think it is? So you want to find a client and start doing the work. And when you go to that first client, all you want to say is, listen, I think this is what I want to do someday. Can I start doing it for you? And you outline the scope of work. And you do it for little to no money. You just start doing it. All you ask from them would be two things. One, feedback on how you do it, how you communicate, and if you did a good job. So you want to find that client on the side that's willing to give you honest feedback on if you're any good at it and what they would recommend you do if you were selling this service to them. And the second thing you'd ask them for is a testimonial and potentially recommendations to anyone else that you think could use the service. So you've still got your corporate job. You start a side hustle. You find anyone who's willing to let you write stuff for them in exchange for feedback and a testimonial, maybe a referral if you can. And from there, you rinse and repeat. But that first client to let you learn, is this a thing I want to do? Crucial. And here's a testimonial that says that I'm good. So that's one whole side of the equation. Getting client one as a side hustle while you're doing your corporate gig. The other side of the fence, one client is not going to be enough to eat because when you're a small business owner, you eat what you kill and you're probably not going to live with just one client. You need a bunch of clients on your roster so you have some protection in case one flakes out and you've got new clients to come in to backfill them when it happens. So how do you build a funnel of potential clients when you're working for somebody else? Do you need to go run a bunch of social media, buy ads, build a website, get a logo? No. No. You need to meet and attract those potential clients. And there are three ways that you can do it. The first way is go out and find out where they're meeting. Most oftentimes called networking. My clients show up in the Chamber of Commerce. Show up at the Chamber of Commerce and start talking to them and get really clear about what you do. 
I do social media for small business owners. I know what makes you crazy. Can I do it for you? That's what I do. Go network, go meet, go talk to people. It's such a basic strategy and not everybody's willing to do it. They would rather hide behind a social media post than go out and shake someone's hand. Get out, network, and meet people. Because the people in your network, the relationships that you build, is building equity in the business. The second thing would be referrals. As you start getting work done for your first few clients, getting those referrals and testimonials so you can say, hey, someone you've heard of says that I'm good. That definitely opens doors when you're pitching on potential clients. And then the third way to attract potential clients and get a list started is to do some sort of lead magnet or giveaway. Here are the top 10 things small business owners need to know about social media right now. Here are the top 10 mistakes I see on Instagram marketing. Here are three templates for your holiday season email blasts. Here's how you market Black Friday correctly on your Snapchat, whatever it might be. And you create this piece of information, value-rich, and all you need to unlock it is their email address. So when you're out networking, you can say to them, hey, are you doing anything for Black Friday? Oh yeah, we're doing a big sale. You know what? I just made a workbook that I think you would be interested in. Can I send it to you? Yeah, that would be great. Send it to them, and the only way that they unlock it is giving you their contact information. Once you have their contact information, you can start marketing to them because they've expressed that they need what you have to offer. They're raising their hand that they're interested in the solution that you provide. So on one side of the fence, you're still working a corporate. On one side of the fence, you get working for anyone, for even nothing, provided they give you feedback on how you do it and a testimonial, potentially a referral. Then to get your list of people waiting to work with you, get out there and network and meet people. Like, get obsessive about it. And it's really the gut check time. Do you really want to run your own business? Because you got to get out there and meet people. Oh, I don't want to do that, Pat. Great. Work for someone else. Get out there and network. Start asking for those referrals and build that lead magnet. Those are the two sides of the equation if you want to really be a business owner. And then there are two style points and they're important. Build a cash reserve before you leave corporate. If you leave corporate and have no money in the bank, it's a panic moment. And you're going to really be up against it 30, 60, 90 days away when you don't have the revenue that you want. And the last piece, and this is so critical, please make sure you and your family have health insurance covered before you go. It's too important not to live without. How do you start your own small business? That's how you do it. We can continue the conversation inside the Idea Collective small business community. On the way next, we're talking with Krista Morrissey about the circle of control and how do we react to bad news in the business. That's next on this edition of The Pat Miller Show. America's small business conversation continues next on The Pat Miller Show. Now, America's small business conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. Welcome back to the Pat Miller Show, America's small business conversation. And if you're like no small businesses, 
nothing ever bad happens to you. Everything is perfect. Every day is sunshine and roses. And this next conversation will not apply to you at all. However, you're normal. And if you're normal, bad things happen. And normally when bad things happen, if you're like me, those bad things tend to hang around and they can kind of weigh you down and it can kind of ruin a day, maybe even a week of ruminating on those bad things. And as small business owners, we don't got time for that. We got to keep moving. We got to keep growing. So we're bringing in some professional help to tell us about one way we can get past the bad stuff that happens inside our business. She's a sponsor of the show, so we're very grateful that she's here. Krista Morrissey, the Chief Growth Officer for Choices Coaching and Consulting. Krista, it's always great to have you on the Pat Miller Show. How are you today? I I am fantastic. And It's great to have the Pat Miller Show because there's a lot of gems in your episodes. Well, I appreciate that. It's a job of mine to go out and help people. And this conversation is going to help people. Yes. So you're going to walk us through a way that we can deal with bad things that happen in the business so they don't hang around. Can can you tell us about this? Because I'm really intrigued. Yes. So the tool I use, Stephen Covey created this a lot of years ago. And- He called it the circle of control. People who've grabbed onto it recently and kind of reframed it are calling it the circle of influence because it's more positive. But it's a way to keep your energy, to maintain your energy, maintain your focus, and not get caught in that negative vortex. All right. We need to talk about that because it can (laughs) stick around. There's a deal that you want that you don't get. It can just linger like a cloud. Over the business. So let's think of an example. Let's pretend that my rent got raised by the landlord and I don't know if (laughs) I can afford it. Like it's really frustrating me that my rent went up so much. So let's take that example and walk through the circle of control and how we would deal with that. Great. Before I do that, quick Pat, I want people to understand uh, I use this all the time. And I jokingly say, but I'm serious, I'm a middle child. When things don't go my way, I pout. Just let me pout for 24 hours. (laughs) It's my way of processing. Then I go through this circle of control. Uh, So, all right. So there's three circles. So if you're listening and you want to draw this, you literally draw three circles, a small one in the center, a medium-sized, and a larger one. And if you're driving, just visualize the circles. (laughs) Don't draw. (laughs) Don't draw. The outer circle is concern. So you can write concern in there. The middle circle is influence, and the center circle is control. Now, the rent has gone up, and it immediately triggers you, and you start processing and pontificating and awfulizing, and you're walking this circle of concern, and you're walking, and you're awfulizing about everything that's going to happen in your business, and how dare they raise the rent? Well, that circle of concern is a mental, it's an emotional It's a physical and it's a spiritual energy drain. And when you get caught in that circle, you can't get out of it. So you need to stop and name the concern. Get very clear. I am so frustrated that my rent is going to increase. When I signed the contract, I was told the rent wouldn't increase for five years. And it's been three years and they raised the rent. So now you know what your concern is. Now, literally what I have people do is write their concern on a post-it note, put it in that circle, and now tell me what percentage of that concern can you influence. So let's say, Pat, you can influence 60% 
of this concern. You literally are going to rip 60% of that post-it note. You're going to hand me the other 30% because if you can't influence it, you got to get rid of it. And you're going to take that 60% and put it in the circle of influence. And here's where Go ahead. I'm sorry. So by naming the concern, that helps us walk from the circle of concern into the circle of influence. That's like the doorway to get from one to the next? It is. And before you walk through the doorway, it quiets that chemical cocktail that got triggered in your body to say, okay, take a breath. Here's what it is. And you get very clear and honest. Now you step into the circle of influence and here's the first step, the gateway to taking your power back and your energy back. And I look at this and I say, all right, I said I could influence 60% of this. Now you ask yourself questions. What do I influence? With whom do I do the influencing? How do I influence? And when? And sometimes we have to influence more than once. And so you go and you influence, which means you share your, you share your mind. You share your, your voice. You speak your mind. You're honest. Sometimes it's words. Sometimes it's taking action. And so in this case, what can I influence? Well, I could look at my monthly expenses and say, what, do, what can I cut? I could go out and sell more. Influence, I could go talk to the landlord and say, hey, I got the letter that rent's going to increase. My contract said it won't increase for five years. It's been three years. I, I've got a new business. Can you help me out here? Can you work with me? And there's always people say, I don't know what to influence. But when we sit back and we actually take a breath and think, there's a lot we can influence. A lot. As we think about this, it seems as though the rent has gone up. We emotionally react. We feel completely out of control. We worry and we ruminate. We put a name on it. We step it into the circle of influence. We start putting actions, concrete actions on the things that we think that we can influence. And then what do we do to get into the center circle, which is the circle of control? Yeah. So you look again at that 60% of the original concern that you said you could influence. Now, what percentage of this can you control? And again, you're going to rip that off. And let's say it's, I can control 25% of this. You got 25% in the circle of control. You have the rest in the circle of influence. And when you stand in these two circles, you control and you influence and you maintain your power. And then you go control, you go control what you can control. And Pat, there's always, always one thing. If there's nothing else, there's always one thing in the circle of control, and that's yourself. You get to stand in that circle of control and decide, do I react, which is emotionally driven, or do I respond? Okay. And frankly, in this case, I can control the number of sales calls I make. That's in my control. Even though I'm going to go influence the landlord, I control whether I decide to go talk with that person or not. And when we walk in the circle of influence and the circle of control, there is very seldom that chemical cocktail of cortisol, adrenaline, dopamine, um, serotonin. Very seldom is that released there. And so we're clear-headed. We're clear-minded. So I want you to think about the last bad thing that happened in your business that sent you on tilt. 
using this framework of concern into influence and control. So you are in power and you are in control of what you're doing, how differently your life would have been had you applied this model. We've only got just a few moments left, but I want to hit on something that you mentioned. We get to choose how we respond, if we respond at all. It's a beautiful right. mindset and a reset of the way that we choose to behave. We've only got a few moments. Can, can you restate that for us? Because I love that mental framework. Okay, so in the circle of influence and the circle of control, you get to decide how you're going to show up. And I always say the words you use, use you. So if I decide I'm going to be negative and frustrated about this, that's how I'm going to show up. That's my energy, my vibration. But when you decide to stand in the circle of control and say, what is mine to own? What can I influence? What can I do? And here's my decision. It's a much better space to be in. It's amazing. Conversations like this and frameworks like this right. are the things that change the way that people operate and it helps them especially in tough times. I can't thank you enough for your sponsorship of the show and for sharing with us today. Chief Growth Officer for Choices Coaching and Consulting, Krista Morrissey. Thanks for coming on the Pat Miller Show. I appreciate it. Pat, thanks for having the Pat Miller Show. <laughs> Every time Krista comes on, I learn something. Krista, thanks for coming on the Pat Miller Show. Quick thought before we go to break. Now is the time that you need to be thinking about, hey, what am I going to do on Black Friday? Now, maybe you're not going to do some big promotion on your social media, but your big-time fans would love to see an offer or a discount from your company. Everyone's going to be doing it, and now is the time to think about what it's going to be. Some thoughts. How can you get them to renew what they have from you now in a way that locks in your business into 2024 and makes them feel like they get a deal? Or how could you upsell them on something new? You give them A already, but we're offering B all of a sudden. Either way, it's something to think about right now because Black Friday is coming and you got to tell them in advance. More of the Pat Miller Show coming up next. Thanks for tuning in. America's Small Business Conversation continues next on the Pat Miller Show. Now, America's Small Business Conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. Welcome back to The Pat Miller Show. This is America's Small Business Conversation, where we help you build your business every weekend on the radio. As you're looking forward into 2024, you may be saying to yourself, if only I had this thing, or if only I could get rid of this thing that's holding me back. But what might be happening is... It's not money or something else, it's you. Now, before you freak out, thinking of ourselves as the problem inside the business might not be very comfortable, but it may be true. And joining us today to go through that concept is business growth strategist, Connie Jones. Connie, welcome to the Pat Miller Show. If someone feels a little bit uncomfortable around the concept that they might be the problem, what would you say to them? Yeah, well, and thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and excited to pour into your listeners. Um, yeah, we're, you know, we just have to, we have to get over ourselves and understand that we are running something bigger than us and we're not going to have 
all of the answers and know how to do this thing that we've never done before. So we have to give ourselves grace and be compassionate with ourselves and come from a place of open to the possibilities and be curious and let things, let new possibilities and new um, insights come to us that we have access to when we do tap into that inner wisdom that is available to us. But we can't do that when we're in all the noise. And this um, conversation may be one of those times where wisdom is coming to us and we weren't seeking it. Because if we're running the business and we are the problem, we get stuck. You've called that survival mode before. Can you talk about that? Yes, I am a huge believer. I was a therapist for 25 years before I started coaching uh, business owners and learned the hard way myself that, you know, we learn out of survival um, and it works really well for us. Our survival mechanism that we learn from our experiences from the time that we're zero to seven years old, our subconscious is programmed with survival messages. So we learn how to survive really well. We're well adapted for that. Uh, we learn survival patterns, programs, beliefs, conditioning of our nervous system, and we function from that place all the way through life. And it serves us well up to a certain point until our very best understanding our very best knowing of what to do and how to do it keeps a lid on us in our business. When we're ready to go to the next level, but we don't know how to get to the next level, then we end up in our own way. And we can't beat ourselves up for that or judge or condemn ourselves for that. We just have to, that's an invitation for us to grow and to learn something new. And I've had great people to pour into me when I've been in those places many times. And, um, you know, it's always this whole journey is about developing and expanding into who we were, into all the possibility and all of our potential, which is unlimited. And so it's an invitation. It's an it's an exciting opportunity, not something that we're doing wrong. So we have to see it that way. And let's talk about survival mode to make sure that someone who's in survival mode and doesn't realize it realizes we're talking to them. It keeps the lights on, the business runs, but when we are in that mode, how do we feel? So someone listening might go, oh my gosh, that's me. We are run by fear, doubt, uncertainty. We oftentimes don't feel safe, supported. And that doesn't mean, we. it may be different levels of that. We may be, we may be responding to some kind of trauma and that may be, you know, we don't feel safe, we're not talking about necessarily not feeling safe physically or in, you know, safe in your space. We're just talking about always feeling like there's never enough, never enough time, never enough support, never enough, um, you know, resources, uh, feeling like we are empowered to, you know, we can't make that decision. We can't say that hard thing. We can't really follow that inner wisdom, that intuition that we really want to follow because we convince ourselves that that's not possible for me. It won't work for me. I have to do, you know, the I have tos, the I want, it won't happen, the I can't. All of that is survival mode. The reacting to the daily, um, how we spend our time and our energy. Are we reacting to everything? Are we putting out fires? Are we in urgency? Um, Are we in lack? All of that is survival living. That is not the way that we were made to live. That is not living from our highest expanded version of ourselves that is available to us. We just have to learn how to tap into those internal resources that we haven't had access to before. And that's what I help people do. 
it's a lot of negativity. It's a lot yeah. of urgency and even a frantic nature. So if that feels like where you're at right now, what do we do about it when we realize, oh my gosh, we're the problem and we're stuck in the negativity? What do you coach people to do? Yeah, well, that's where it's, you know, it's really hard. We are, our very best thinking has gotten us right here. So we are, we are the problem, but we don't have to think of ourselves as the problem. We just, again, it's an invitation to grow and expand. And so we need to learn, we need at least somebody to guide us into how to tap into the other side of us, the, the higher version of us, the expanded version of us, the thriving self. Um, there is, there are those resources inside of us and we have to learn how to connect with those and expand the possibilities and begin to open to, you know, the curiosity of, well, what, why am I living? Why am I believing what I'm believing? Why am I living the way that I'm living? And how would I begin to change that if, I did have a say because we do have a say in the way we spend our time, our energy, and our resources. We do get to decide. We have that dream inside of us, that divine design inside of us that wants to come out and be expressed into the world because it's ours to create into the world. We don't actually, you know, know how to do that exactly, but it takes someone teaching us how to access those that wisdom inside to be able to pull that power out of us, harness that power within us and open to all that's possible for us. And so we, yes, we have to start taking courageous action. We have to learn how to reprogram and repattern survival beliefs and 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 patterns and habits that are getting us in the same place every single day. We have to begin to learn how to break through fear, uncertainty, and doubt that are running us and begin to live from courage and, um, and possibility and, um, and understand that we are safe and that we are secure and we are supported. It's teaching our body what it feels like, teaching our mind how to think differently and teaching ourselves how to show up in that highest version of ourselves, embodying that and beginning to live and lead from that on the daily rather than from this familiar place that isn't working for us. One of the things you said that really caught my ear is our best thinking got us here. Yes. And now we need to stop thinking. We need to follow our intuition. And it sure sounds like we need to bring in someone to challenge us and help us to think bigger. It's a fascinating conversation. And if you're feeling that way, it might be time to stop working so hard and call in some outside help. Connie Jones, business growth strategist. I appreciate the perspective and thanks for coming on the Pat Miller Show. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Pat Miller Show. See patmillershow.com for more information on today's guests, events, and the Idea Collective small business community. A worldwide group working together to fight fear, inexperience, and isolation for small business owners everywhere. Join us next week for the Pat Miller Show. And remember, get clear, work hard, and never quit. Guests on the Pat Miller Show have agreed prior to appearing that they are receiving consultation and advice that they may or may not use at their own risk. No part of the show should replace accounting, tax, or legal advice.